Welcome back to Rob Gill's Epic Financial Strategies Podcast. If you like what you're hearing and want to learn how to take action on your financial future, click the link in our bio to speak to us directly. To learn more about how you can achieve financial freedom, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow Rob Gill all over social media. Financial freedom awaits. I have with me today my man Harvey Graham. What's up, Harvey? Good to see you again. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Awesome, awesome. So I had the good fortune vis-a-vis Chris Crohn's foundation to uh, spend some days with Harvey in the Ukraine. Is your is your footprint becoming stronger inside of the Ukraine? Is it becoming more challenging? Like, what does that dynamic look like? Even from when I was there a month ago. Yeah, for us, like, if you put it in a business context, um, we've just got like a very good product offering, right? Like. We've just built something that a lot of other people cannot do. Yeah. And we've done a really, really good job building it. And that within itself generates some network effects, right? Like if you have a good product to sell, like you, you can sell it, right? Speaking yeah. to salespeople. Um, within Ukraine, like the results have been clear. Like we, we've gone into Pokrost, uh, Lysychansk, you know, just the outskirts of Severodonetsk, right? Like, the, the evacuations team has literally been there alongside the Ukrainian army taking people out at the last moment. Um, yeah. And that that is expanding. In terms of the size of the teams, we're up to four allied extract teams and one contracted Mozart group evacuation team. Um, we plan to expand that even further. But obviously, it is quite, a, it is very expensive churn through of vehicles. You know, volunteers are volunteers. They, they don't get salaries while they're there. But, you know, we do pay for their food we sure. pay for the hotels everything else right we, we look after them we also pay insurance costs so if the worst happens their families will be looked after so yeah. we didn't manage to negotiate that um there, there's also the the idea that yes it's very expensive to have these teams and evacuate these people and it's not generating a lot of volume but the other side of allied extract is we do generate a lot of volume so we can look at sponsoring an orphan like we have a series of orphanages and we are expanding that network uh, weekly, if I keep up, I think this morning we I just signed off on another one. Um, and we're looking at about $10 a week to, wow. to keep an orphan um, going. So obviously the more money we raise, the more money we can pump in there. Um, yeah. and, and that's like, as you saw with the orphanage you visited, like they knew us, they'd seen us before, like yeah. they knew my guys, right? Like yeah. we're, we're, we're generating that personal relationship before we're just throwing money toward them. So that like chain of custody for the funding and for the aid is very clear. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons. And one of the um, cash injections that Chrome Breakthrough Foundation did was the orphanage you visited. The Chrome were Breakthrough. able to support yeah. that for, yeah. for six months. Um, so so that, so that how much money was that that produced six months of, of protection, at least from, you know, supplies? Uh, for that one orphanage, we put... We got $48,000 for that program. Uh, we bought the yellow vehicle I tagged you on Instagram for yeah. with part of that. Um, it was a little under $10,000. And then- and, and just so we're clear, how many people for that 48 grand was in that orphanage? I don't remember the number, but that's- All right, so that orphanage varies. Uh, that goes up from about 60 to 80 people. And 48,000 for six months covered. Yep. That, that's incredible. It's wow. A, and we bought the vehicle, which we can then use to the do trans- resupply runs to other orphanages. So yeah. like- we part of that went to supporting those families that were there that you met like yeah. they had some pretty yeah. harrowing stories and then also building the capacity to be able to do more 
as well. So if we look globally right now, is the world paying attention to the Ukraine the way they were four months ago um, that you may want to share with what people aren't aware of? What's yeah, happening. I, th I think the concern is like my military hat tells me that, that there's two rules about Russia, right? Like I was taught this in the army. I worked in intelligence for a little while. Like one of the, the, the things I was taught about Russia, well, two things I was taught about Russia is like you don't grind Russia down, they grind you down, right? Like if you're taking an attritional approach to warfare with Russia, you're going to lose. Like they're going to grind you down. They have an endless supply of youth unemployment in their country. They are not very well informed. The media controls the news they can endlessly recruit young guys to go serve in the military, right? So all those guys that are coming in really don't understand what's happening. No. Because they are not. They don't have access to social media and or media. Exactly. Got it. And then the second- Indoctrination system. Go the ahead. second rule about Russia is Russia finishes wars a lot better than they start them. Got right? it. Let's remember Chechnya, right? Let's remember what Grozny looked like in the first Chechen war. And now let's see the fact that we have Chechen regiments fighting on the side of the Russians in Donetsk. And this is different than, let's say, Afghanistan, because this is right on their border yeah. versus why they lost in Afghanistan. Because they, Afghanistan had America's protection with equipment that is not happening right now in the Ukraine. Is that a fair statement? They, that's a fair statement. They, there's also an interesting analogy there, and maybe that's a sidebar, but we armed the hell out of the Afghans and we defeated Russia, so there's hope for Ukraine. But have right. we been arming them yet? We have been arming them, but not at the level they need to defeat Russia. Or the way we did it with, with uh, Afghanistan in the 80s, right? Yeah. Like, like, I'm not judging administrations right now. That's not my position. But if there was a different administration, would there be different rules right now? Or would it be the same? What, what I can from, say from, is... From sharing equipment or, or you know, yeah. from that kind of stuff. What I can say is, like, President Zelensky was very clear that he needed to raise an army of a million troops armed with Western equipment to defeat Russia. Yes. He understands that he can't wear the Russians down. He can hold them, gradually give up ground, and kill a lot of them. And that has not happened yet. The million yes, soldiers needs, with the proper equipment. He needs a million troops with the proper equipment to liberate his country. And he cannot survive the next two years, or can he, under the current... He, he's going to a, need a lot more than, you know, whatever the number is up to now. I think it's just shy of 30 HIMARS, right? Which is the artillery that can defeat Russian artillery. It's like guided, guided artillery. Um, he's going to need regiments and regiments of artillery. Like an army of one million. The only army in NATO off the top of my head that has a million troops is the U.S. Army. Mm. They, you're talking an army that would be six times the size of the British and French armies combined, including all their reserves. Like, this is a very, very big undertaking. So if I'm to understand on a very limited basis Putin's history and where his parents grew up and how he grew up and was born in the 50s, what he is sensing is that NATO is on his border and that's a deal, a no deal maker for him. End of story, dot, period, no matter what, which is why they came in because of the whispers of NATO. Do I get that correctly or, or you am I completely off? No, you're, you're correct. And like you've been there, which means your opinion is pretty informed compared to most, right? Um, like, and that's something that we have to acknowledge with all the donors. Like most donors will not go there and directly see what's happening and follow that through right and that's like a business thing like if you're going to get a new subcontractor how many people actually get on a plane and fly over and go to chennai india or wherever and actually meet that new contractor right you've done the same thing in the 501 space so that's that's important like no that is an informed opinion and that's very much right but there's also the ideological part right putin took his honeymoon in ukraine when it was still part of russia right yes when it was part of soviet union he took his first wife to crimea right to putin Ukraine is Russia. Yeah. It is as much Russia as 
you know, any part of the United States is is part of the United States. Like he believes, so there's the ideological aspect of this. Like he will say NATO threatens his borders, but NATO only touches around 6% of his borders. And by invading Ukraine, he's actually expanded the part of his borders that will be touching NATO. Got it. So here, let me ask this question then. So that being the case, why did he wait till now? What happened that he just said, you know what? It's time. Do we even know? We, we, we have the signals, right? Like we saw what happened in Afghanistan. We saw how the US military was kind of forced into acting arbitrarily, not communicating with coalition partners. So you, he felt that right, America is mentally weak right now and this is the time to do it. I think he I, felt that, that there were splits in NATO. Got it. But well said. the only person who truly knows is Putin, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's, that's what you get in... in dictatorship. A, yeah, in a dictatorship. The only yeah. person who truly knows what they're going to do next is him. And yeah. that's the most terrifying part, I yeah. think. And, and when you say terrifying, you're now putting on the nuclear hat, right? Like, is that some of the under... Is that some of the conversations that are happening with, you know, the elite circles that you're part of when it comes to this yeah, I, mindset? So, like, I grew up in Europe, right? Um, you don't see European unity against anything. Like, it's I've no, I never saw it in my life. Almost saw it in in response to Brexit, but still not yeah. complete, right? There was still disunity. When Putin invaded Ukraine, like, what terrified me was a few days later you saw complete and utter European unity. I've never seen that in my life. Got it, and that so, frightened you because they may know something that. Yes, got exactly. It. They Understood. they've seen something that scared them enough. World War to III. agree. Got it. So Understood. we have to we have to consider that. So what's happening now? Like what what is happening like behind the scenes with these other countries and and giving aid and 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 what does it look like with Russia's desire to be a cobra and slowly strangulate Ukraine and and how's that dynamic unfolding? going forward you've seen i mean you saw it when we were there right like the the amount of aid crossing in from poland was was substantial but let's be honest there like the amount of trucks we saw crossing that border there was a lot right but was it more than we see going into new york city every day no no there wasn't i was actually commenting on that because i do remember i looked at the the miles of trucks and i was like all right well this kind of looks like going into new york right a little bit you know during rush hour um and we crossed over by foot folks th thanks to Harvey and his team mapping everything out for us, um, um, including Wojtek. That was that was a beautiful that was a beautiful scene. Um, but yeah, no, I did notice that actually. Yeah, so even in like the country which has supported Ukraine the most, which is Poland, Poland yep, right, you're still not seeing anything that is really truly mind blowing in terms yes. of the amount of aid going in. Yeah, um, and you were very brave getting the train because the the rumors are that the special stuff goes on the trains. Um, well, see, I didn't know that. <laughs> this is the first time I'm finding out about that. But go ahead. So, but yeah, but our, our guys in Ukraine get get the train daily, um, and they feel it safe. But they. They're going to need a lot more. But the train is a target. Is that your point? It is pretty. That's why the windows were blacked out. If you <laughs> notice, there was tape all over the windows. Oh, you mean target even from snipers? If you're in the right area, but yeah, it's definitely a target for. for I was like just thinking Soviet missiles. Aircraft. I wasn't actually, worried about yeah. Russian. Sorry, Russian aircraft coming oh. in and attacking trains. Um, oh boy! But um, there's not enough going in. Is the answer like you yeah. saw it yourself? Um, I I think. Um. Someone asked me, like, what do we truly need to do? And my answer was, you need to hire, like, 20 to 30 logistics companies with semi-trucks full of fuel that will just bring goods in and take it all the way to the front line and turn around and go back out. Won't refuel within Ukraine. Like, we'll, we'll be able to drive all the way in and drive the way out without putting any, like, 
limitations on their infrastructure, any stress on their infrastructure. Like you can get the goods to Ukraine. Arguably, there's not enough, right? But then the Ukrainians themselves, the poorest country in Europe, who's just taken, I think it was a 14% GDP decrease, mm. might even be higher than that, then has to take all this stuff to the front line. Yeah, to your point, I remember being in the van with you, fuel is uh, very scarce, <laughs> right? We couldn't have the air conditioning on. There was um, no air conditioning. I'll never forget that. But the fuel is, so, so what you're saying is, even if people come right from Poland to get over the border, there's then a challenge with fuel yep. to take that stuff all the way east anywhere between eight to 12 hours of a car ride, yep. right? Something like that. And what you're saying, if there was a simple one-time fill-up there yep. and back, yep. it would be more efficient. Yep. But there is a level of high level of scarcity when it comes to fuel. Huge, like yeah. you saw it, right? So Gas people don't understand that. that. That's right. Yep. I, I, I keep forgetting about that part. And obviously, that's the most important part because right. if you can't bring this stuff up, it doesn't matter. You could have it all right at the, right at the beginning, but... Yeah. It won't go anywhere. My convoys will go in. Um, they drive all the way from Poland all the way down to Dnipro, Kramatorsk. So they, they go, you know, to so the So what's the fuel solution? They, they fill up six, seven jerry cans full of diesel in the back of their Got um, it. So that's it though, right? That's... They can pick it up locally, but part of the thing that we're very conscious of is we don't want to be a strain upon Ukraine. Like we don't want to be an extra mouth to feed. We Got don't it. want to be taking gas from from their gas stations etc unless we have to yeah so we try to minimize our footprint um in a way where we're kind of making things better we're not being a strain on them so people that live in the ukraine that have cars it's not like they can go fill up their truck every three or four days right they have to be scarce on even how they use their own fuel yeah i mean it's great for getting your steps in yeah if you're in a, if you're in a major city <laughs> but if you're in a countryside it's pretty dire so these folks let me ask you this are they going to struggle through the next winter yeah, I mean, they're going to struggle for the next six, seven winters if we look at how long wars last. And we Russia think it starts. could last that long, right? Yeah. And how long were the other wars that Russia just recently had? I mean, look at Syria. Russia's been fighting in Syria for years. Yeah. Uh, we can look at the Chechen wars, right? The first Chechen those? war, second Chechen war. How long um, was it? Well, arguably, they're still ongoing at a counterinsurgency level. So you're talking over a decade. Um, the, the intervention in Georgia was was fairly short, um, but that was, a lot of people argue that was a test. And the Russians are still staking troubles in Abkhazia as well. So this this is a war that could last for years. So when Russia gets into these wars, is it normal for them to kidnap children and bring them back into the Russian system so their population doesn't get depleted? Is that? It's, it's interesting. Like with the Ukraine, there seems to be an even more evil dynamic. To Got it. it. Like, okay. With Chechnya, you saw things like one of the things that I was taught about Chechnya was how the Russians would deal, how the Russians quelled the rebellions in Chechnya was they would go into a village and they would take like everybody with a family and they'd line them up and then they would kill half their family. So they'd put them in the church and they'd burn them alive in front of the other half of the family they left alive. Oh my God. So the half of the family that left alive still had something to live for. And then they would tell them, Next time one of our soldiers comes in and gets shot or gets ambushed, we'll kill the other half. Mm. So this this was like evil and it was cruelty and it was shocking. But it, it they weren't trying to destroy their culture. They they were trying to get them to essentially bend the knee to Russia and break their spirit. Understood. In Ukraine, they're also trying to wipe out their culture. Which Besides seems to bending be the knee, an but now additional dynamic. Got it. That we haven't seen before. The, not, Unless it was in Afghanistan yeah. or the Middle East. We yeah. haven't seen that on the Russia side of their game plan. Like that's, this is a first in other words. Ukrainian yeah, the, is so venomously their enemy for many different, well, 
Putin's enemy for many different reasons, and, and that's what you're talking about. Got it. Understood. So for anyone checking this out or, or you know, for you, like, what does it look like for the next five years, Harvey? Like, what are you, why are you doing all this? Like, what, what is the stamp and um, the impact you want to have on the world? I think, like, I think for the same reason that I joined the military after 9-11, like, you see something happening in the world and and you want to try to do something about it. Um, now it's a little different. Now I don't want to do it just because I feel there's like a, a debt or advent it's adventurous. Like I have kids, I have a house, I have a wife now, right? Um, I have a fairly good corporate job that I enjoy. Um, I feel that I have to. Um, and I didn't actually completely feel that way until I came to America and I was in Ohio with Team Rubicon and there was a flood. Um, and then there was one of those rogue tornadoes you get in the Midwest, right? Mm. They just come out of nowhere. And it, it took out this like small area and it was kind of semi off the grid. Everyone had built their own homes from stuff at Home Depot and stuff, right? And it, it was a bit crazy and a very eclectic kind of community of people in Ohio, um, in this part of Ohio. And I just saw random people come out, like one woman and her daughter and this stuck with me. They just bought a bunch of hot dogs and they were cooking these hot dogs and putting them in buns and just handing them out to people. And it's like, once I sort of saw that and I saw like that American entrepreneurial streak like actually spread toward helping each other, I was like, okay, so I can do something pretty serious here. Um, and as much as I've been motivated to do stuff, I've also been pushed to do it by people around me in this country and, and kind of the nature in this country of, of giving, of trying to be part of something, of understanding like there's a leadership position within the world and that we have to like help our communities and we have to help others. So I've been driven to do it partly internally, but partly it's just been external because because of just being part of this country. And what does it look like for you for the next five years? Like, Where do you see yourself five years from now? Because there's gonna be stuff that pops up all over the place. Yeah, I, they, they, there's a couple of causes we, we've been asked. So my co-founder, he's a detective that specializes in counter human trafficking. Um, he wants to set up a network in West Africa where they purchase the freedom of schoolgirls that have been oh kidnapped. Um, obviously, the legislatively very, very complicated. So he wants to go out there um, with some other. Actually, he's halfway through building his team, which includes a local prince, a mm. very resourceful guy. Um, and he wants to do counter human trafficking work in, in West Africa. Um, and then we have a couple of other volunteers um, that want to start resupplying some of the refugee camps in Myanmar. Um, on the border with Thailand where there, there's been a terrible IDP situation for decades. So so when it's all said and done and you shuffle off this mortal coil and you have kids and grandkids, what do you want them to say about you? Your wife, you know. Uh, I, I know what I'm saying about you. What do you want? I think that you didn't sit there and do nothing. Yeah. I think that's it. That's okay. enough. Understood. Well, one last time, how could anybody get in touch with them? Before you say that, once again, let me thank uh, Chris Crone for inviting me on this unbelievable experience that changed my life for the better, and it didn't end in Afghanistan. I'm sorry, Ukraine. I didn't go to Afghanistan. <laughs> Not yet. Um, Give it time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that one. But uh, <laughs> I also want to thank Luis Vega for the time he spent with me, the four, five, six phone calls that I had in between. Um, and then Harvey, you know, listen, I got to tell you, man, I never felt that I wasn't safe and at, at any point during that trip, even when we were in Kiev on the bridge and, and the, the missile hit and it was smoke over my shoulder. The only time I didn't feel safe was when I wasn't eating, which was like a 14 hour stretch because I'm a picky eater. 
Just kidding about that. But <laughs> what you created, um, that experience, and, you know, there wasn't any kind of, like, training for that. You know, we just said yes, and next thing I knew, I was on the border of, of uh, Ukraine and walking over by foot with my luggage, you know, like, and not knowing what was going to be next, you know. So thank you for the safety. Thank you for the awareness. Thank you for the human uh, touch that, uh, for me, I've written checks in the last three or four or five years. Really didn't mean much to me. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. This was the most meaningful thing that I've ever done with my money from a human um, advancement standpoint or helping out. So I want to thank you for that. And for these folks here that that maybe uh, really want to um, not just write a check, but learn more and have their heart match their wallet and their outcome, you know, how would they, they get in touch with you one, one more time if you don't yeah, mind? Yeah, you, you can go to our website, www.alliedextract.org or you can send an email either to Lydia, L-Y-D-I-A, at alliedextract.org or Harvey at alliedextract.org. And one last time, our website is www.alliedextract.org. Yeah, and and do you want to share like what, what the next couple of months look like or you know what the next game plan is? Yeah, so the, the next two months, so the next two months, we're going to focus on extraction operations. Um, they've been some pretty dangerous missions, but they have pulled people literally out of the path of Russian troops um, when their when their homes have been taken hours later. So we're going to we're going to double down on extractions. We are going to try to double, if not triple, uh, the size of our extractions teams, so we can save more and more people. Um, and then we're also going to work on our orphanage network as well. So we need to expand the orphanage network so more orphanages have the support that they need um, to look after those children, so those orphans of war. And for the folks, when you think orphanages, you know, obviously donating money that buys supplies and everything else, is there other things like books or anything else that could be donated? Is that part of it? Or I don't know. I'm just computers. Yeah. So, um, so what, what I will say is um, we are quite lucky in terms of being able to get supplies in because we get it in from Poland. Um, but all these children want to learn to speak English. Yeah. And we have fantastic school systems in this country. So any kind of um, educational materials where they can sit there and they can learn English, um, computers are always welcome. Like I've been to a few schools in this country, every kid gets an iPad, right? And that, that helps their learning. So anything that school systems can donate in terms of educational materials wow. um, for them to learn English, in terms of books, like we can ship it there, we can get it there. More expensive equipment, um, such as like IT equipment, we, we, we can get that over as well. There's no orphanage that's going to turn down a bunch of iPads or MacBooks. Wow. And even if they just sit there in the evenings and watch TV on it, that's also going to be very helpful as well. So we're very happy to take donated awesome. equipment. We can get it into country a little over $3 per pound. Well, awesome. Thank you once again, Harvey Graham, the founder of Allied Extract. Uh, heroic, unique identity goes back to when he joined the military uh, as a as a young person, age 18, 17 years old after 9-11 while coming from England. Um, spent a lot of time in the Middle East from, from you know, let's say 2002 up to 2010-11. Got married, started a family, uh, was in and out of different businesses. So, so a big business, so a small business. The alarm rang for him last August when the government was shutting down Afghanistan, a place close to his heart. Was able to bring through 428 people to get out of country 
when like it was closing down by like giant leaps and bounds on a day-to-day basis in August. Since then, there was an extra 150, 160 people they were able to rescue through Afghanistan. And by the way, all of a sudden there was a war in Iraq or an illegal occupation, I should call it, that took place, which was not only a land occupation, but a cultural uh, annihilation, as, as Harvey has, has, has shared with us and has taken the Allied uh, extract and connected with the Mozart group, and now they go right into where the fire is with your money that um, is creating goods and, and, and different equipment for these folks to fight and being able to rescue women and children because the men have to fight um, in the most hostile situations one last time before their kids either get killed and or kidnapped by Russia and uh, for the women either raped or, or, or murdered themselves. And brother, I can't thank you enough for being in my world. I can't thank you enough for, for coming in for this interview. And uh, for anyone out there that really wants to make a difference emotionally and financially, go check out Harvey. And, um, you know, thank you for checking us out as well. We always want to bring information. We want to make you aware of what's happening, how things are always tied back into uh, heart, money, business, and what that looks like to create legacy. Anyway, thanks for checking in. And Harvey, one last time, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really thank appreciate you for it. Coming. That's it for today with Rob Gill and the Epic Financial Strategies Podcast. Be sure to hop to iTunes or Spotify to subscribe and tune into all the podcasts. Also, be sure to follow the Rob Gill YouTube channel and Rob Gill social media channels. We'll see you on the next podcast.